Amen. I guess maybe not everybody's heard that song. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 1800s is that one? <laughs> Isn't God good this morning? He is great. He's greatly to be praised. He is the God of everything. Amen. And guess what we're going to speak about this morning? Foundation. Building on God's word. Amen. Helps us have a strong foundation. Amen. I could just get off the platform right now because that's all you need. Amen. And when you build on God's word, it gives you a strong foundation. Amen. I appreciate being here this morning. I appreciate the opportunity to stand not only today here, but all the days that I get to come up here on this platform and minister, preach, teach the Word of God. Thank you, Pastor Phil, for allowing this. Thank you for watching. If you're out on the internet, the interweb, around the four corners of the globe, thank you so very much. Why don't you shake someone's hand today and you can be seated. Amen. I know, Brother John, this is so unusual for me, but I just need a little bit more uh, so I can hear. Just, I don't know why, but that's great. <clears throat> but it's, it sounds real good, though. It, sounds, it, sounds, it doesn't sound bad. Amen. How many get distracted easily? Amen. I don't want you to do this, but if you ever watch me during a service, I am like fidgeting, crossing my legs, going back and forth, going back this way, checking the time on the phone, all this stuff. I, I'm just like fidgety this morning. Amen. So if you feel that way this morning, uh, instead of doing that in your seat, just get up and walk around. No, I'm just joking. Amen. That is called an icebreaker. Everybody having a good time? Ever, anybody need a refresh of the Holy Ghost this morning? Am I a touch? Something just pick you up? Maybe having a bad week? Maybe having a great week, but maybe you want to get that out. Here's the perfect place for that is in the house of the Lord. We, when you come to the house of the Lord, you are building a foundation. Amen. How many has ever had the wonderful uh, experience of, absolute joy of bouncing in a bounce house. Don't remember, as adults, we don't really get to experience that often. I remember the last time I did was out here on the property when we had it uh, for one of the uh, special events. Um, but we do get to see the joy and the pleasure in those young kids' faces as they bounce up and down. The high jumps, the rolls, the fun of being unbalanced, and, and know when you fall over the floor, the bounce house provides a soft foundation when your body slams down into it. However, I don't think one would think that that would be a great foundation to build a house on. Can you see where I'm going? Second Chronicles 31 says this, And the king 
stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes. With all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And we're talking about Josiah. And Josiah began to repair the temple during his reign as king over Judah. He was a direct descendant of King David. I don't know if you knew that or not. And he began to rule when he was only eight years old. I'm not going to go into time, the time frame of all this. We can do that later, or you can do that at a later date of when everything actually happened. But he was eight years old. The rulers before him were both righteous and unrighteous. But there was one, Joshua's, uh, Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, was definitely one of the worst leaders there was. He had a very long list of wicked deeds, idol worship, child sacrifice, extreme violence, and blasphemy. And so given this family legacy, it's amazing that Josiah's recorded in the Bible this way, 2 Kings 2, 22. And he did that was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David, his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Amen. Did I, uh, Sister Sarah, did I have the wrong scriptures up there or did they not come through? 2 Kings 2, 22, 2. No, I apologize for that. That is my fault for not, I must not have uploaded correctly. But he did that which was right in the sight of God. If, you, if you've ever gotten into uh, spiritual, uh, the aspects of spiritual prayer, spiritual life, or spiritual walk with God, the book that we were given um, uh, about the uh, different uh, uh, spirits uh, in, the, in the Bible and the different way to handle those and stuff, one of them is, is you would think of the ancestry, right, of, of, of it, something bad happened in your family years ago. And if you can connect that to an evil spirit, then may, that it's possible that, that that has haunted, for lack of a better word, haunted your family. One way, one way to stop that is the word of God. It's the building a foundation. Not to embellish that, not to use it as a crutch, not to say, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's been this way and, and, and the people of my generation's past have done this and they used to do voodoo, they used to do that, they used to, you know, they used to, you know, make alcohol and they used to rob banks and they used to do all this stuff. And so now it's just in my blood. No, that, you, could, you could use that as a crutch and keep continuing that stuff or you could use the word of God and open up the book, Josiah did, and start building a new foundation for you and your family to come. So as part of the walk that we just talked about, Josiah saw, he saw that the temple had fallen into disrepair due to the wicked conditions of the nation. He saw the result of his legacy, his, his, his relatives, his, his past. And so he ordered both the religious and the political authorities in the town or in the community of the nation of Judah to start immediate repairs on God's house. We're the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Where do we need to start? Right? The foundation. 
to fund these efforts, he asked the high priest, Hilkiah, to produce the money that had been collected through the taxes of the inhabitants of Judah. They had, of course, taxes. So Hilkiah, the high priest, went into the treasury to receive these funds. And he made a surprising discovery because he was looking for every penny, as our good ushers and treasurer people do, right? They try to find every penny. So he's brushing everything back and looking all that. And he's, he made a surprising uh, uh, thing, uh, a surprising revelation to him or a discovery that he found part of the book, of uh, the book of law. The, uh, and some people say this book is part of the Torah or, in fact, specifically the book of Deuteronomy. And so that's what uh, some authors and scholars, people that are a lot smarter than you and I, they said, this is the book of Deuteronomy, probably, most likely, perhaps. You know how one of those things go, right? So he found this, Hilkiah found this, and he located the Bible. And, and if you think about that, and, and I'm probably guilty of this, every once in a while I clean out a drawer and I find something valuable in it, right? The other day I was up here and I found a $10 bill in my shirt pocket. I was like, wow, man, If that, I'm glad that didn't go through the wash. Or maybe it was my jacket. Yeah. And you think, man, I've neglected that important item. Think about that. The Bible, the word of God is sitting here in the treasury buried under artifacts and dust. You can, I already told you how the nation was in disrepair because of the ancestral lineage, you know, the lineage from before and the way they uh, thought of God and the way they backslid the nation of Judah. But think about that. The Bible, the word of God is hidden. I remember in boot camp, I was the religious petty officer because I volunteered. Hey, I just got the Holy Ghost. I was going to boot camp. I needed God. And they handed out Bibles, and I started throwing the Bible out to people. And one of the guys, you can't throw the word of God. I said, it's not the book right there. It's what's in the book. And if I can get it to them faster by tossing it to them, I'm going to do that. And that was me being, I only had the Holy Ghost a month. And I knew the importance of the word of God, how important that was. Given their disregard for the word of God, it's no surprise that the nation, the nation was in such turmoil. Just imagine the emotions in the high priest Hilkiah when he found this book. He was excited. And so what he did was this. He gave it to a gentleman named Shaphan to notify the king. Shaphan was a scribe. Not only was he a scribe, he was also selected and put in charge one of those people put in charge of the temple's renovations. I think this is this goes and shows how important the word of God is in building not only the spiritual temple of God, but the physical temple of God too. The architect, the designer, the developer, the contractor stood before the king and he not only handed the book to the king, before he did that, he read the book to the, the king. 
So when you have the word of God, you should not take it for granted. So he read the contents of this book of the law to the king and set in motion a profound set of events. Now, I don't think we all should inundate the pastor after service like just with a bunch of stuff and just drive him crazy. Uh, as he mentioned the other night, he loves going around and shaking people's hand and seeing them and meeting the guests and people like that too. However, don't ever think that you cannot go up to our pastor and encourage him and bless him and say, God gave me this or this, is, this was it. And I, I, I just think it's so great that God opened my eyes for this situation because, because an architect, a designer, a, a builder, a construction worker read the word of God to the king of Judah. I think that is awesome and amazing. Upon hearing this word, King Josiah was immediately convicted. The Bible records that he rent his clothes, which is, of course, a common cultural expression of dismay. They're just heartbroken, just, just stricken, smitten, convicted, however you want to say that. That's what the word of God did to him. Imagine how grieved he was to have his eyes open and see the contrast between what he heard of how the nation should have been living to how it had been living. Conviction is one of the greatest friends of a child of God. And the, the word simply means convincing. When someone is convinced of the truths of God, uh, God's word and sees the gap between the ideal and the reality of life, then a pure heart will be convicted by that. Our lives will reflect more properly the values and principles found in the word of God when we are convinced or convicted of that. A little bit of history that you might remember. After the exodus of Egypt, the nation of Israel was uniquely built on the foundation of God's word. We know the story of the Israelites. They vacillated back and forth between, you know, they were, okay, we're going we're gonna to love God. We're not going to love God. We're, we're going to love God. We're going to go this. We're going to obey God. We're going to disobey God. Deuteronomy 5, 32 and 33. If you don't have that, Sarah, I can give you a second. Oh, look at that. She got it. Ye shall observe to do therefore as the Lord your God hath commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. However, if they were turn, to turn aside from it and build their own lives and on any other foundation, they would have to take on the curse of God. Deuteronomy 28, 15 says this, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of of the Lord thy God to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes which I commanded thee this day that all the curses shall come upon you and overtake thee if in fact the book of law that uh, if in fact the book of the law that was read to King Je uh, Josiah was taken part or the whole part of Deuteronomy then he would have heard those two passages along with others that say the same principles. And you no wonder why you would or could imagine that he was convicted in his heart when he realized that we chose the wrong 
Pastor, we chose the left hand over the right or the right over the left. We didn't follow God's commandment. So when individuals depart from a secure, from the secure foundations of a godly life, we need a voice to direct us back on course. That's what we need to pray. That's what we need to pray. Sister Khan, I, I know you prayed so much for your children, for Richard, not to embarrass you at all. We are praying for our kids. But we, we need to pray that there's a voice that comes in their lives and causes them conviction. Whether it's another apostolic person meeting them on a campground where our kids live or a, a Walmart or on the road or at a Culver's or wherever they are. That they hear a voice and they realize and recognize that I know that voice. Sometimes we come into the church on a Sunday morning. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're seeking God and open our minds and our understanding. We will listen for a voice of conviction. We need that. I want to hear a voice somewhere in the message. I told you, I, I fidget and I do it. I'm listening, though, and I hear something. And I was like, oh, and I'll write it down or take notes. You'll see Brother uh, Locke and up there taking out his notepad and writing and stuff because there's a voice that, was, that touched our lives, our, our thoughts. And you do the same thing, a voice that touches us, that convicts us, convinces us that we need to make a change. We need to, to start something new. To finish something old, we need to do something. We need the word of God to speak to us, whether it's a voice from a pastor, a righteous friend, or the Holy Spirit. We need a word from God. And the vehicle through the word of God speaks is not as vital as our response to it. Well, that, that lady, you know, she's very quiet and she doesn't lift her hands in church and, you know, she's older and frail and stuff like that. And, but she spoke to me. Do I, do I just look at what I just said, or do I say, that's from God, and do I need that? Here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the vehicle. It matters your response to the word of God. What? How can I say that? Remember, the high priest did not read the word of God to the king. What a humbling experience. I don't know the whole story of that. I did not get involved in, in, in that depth in this talk. And I, I'm not even sure if there is a, 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 a lesson for that. There might be. But the high priest gave the scroll, the word of God, to a scribe, to a construction worker, to the superintendent of the construction, to let him read. I know uh, Brother Khan has heard this before, but, you know, the Bible's like a blueprint, right? And maybe that's why. Maybe we got that from that. It's a blueprint for our lives. Any Christian who desires to please the Lord and serve him faithfully will have that desire through a humble response to the voice of Scripture. James instructed us to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls, he said. So the conviction that, that smote King Josiah's heart by hearing the word of God caused him to commission a group of trusted men to go inquire 
of the Lord. And so what do, if the, a group of men want information to do the right thing, what do they do? They go ask a woman. Right? So when this group of men go, they went to the prophetess, Huldah, I believe is the way you pronounce it. They went to her, and she gave a clear word. And she, to the king through these messengers, addressing both what was soon to come on the kingdom and on him personally. And the prophetess told them in 2 Chronicles 34, 24, and this sounds familiar. Thus saith the Lord, behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah. You got to get your act together, Josiah. You're doing the right thing. Keep doing it. Because if you don't, the word of God is going to manifest. It's going to come to fruition. God would be thorough on every curse, and every curse found in the book was uh, read to the king, would come to pass. Such a fearsome and furious God is not acceptable in modern man. We don't go out and saying, you know what, if you don't do this, you're going to hell. We don't do that, right? We, we don't do that because that's not acceptable today, okay? So when, when, we, when we see that, we are like, oh, man, but that was, it. that was the way it was back then. Certainly, we know his mercy endures forever, and without question, he is a gracious, and he's slow to anger, the psalm says. Still, we must never lose sight of the truth that God is very, very protective of his word. The Bible says the word of God is above the name. Nothing, it says, will ever fail. Amen? So when it declares that sin will be dealt with, we know it will be so. God's character is the guarantee behind every word he has spoken. I learned as a young minister, when I went up and prayed for a family that had just lost a loved one, to pray with them that God is a God of character and of honesty. And he looks at an honest heart. And he loves, because you, as a minister, you get that uncomfortable question, are they in hell or are they in heaven? And we cannot put them there. Sitting outside a waiting room is not the time to go to the book of Acts and say, were they baptized? It's not. So you have to understand that God, that, that, that your humbleness, your, your, uh, your peculiar way of saying things and getting across to people to let them understand that God is a God of principle and uh, he loves an honest heart and an open mind. Because I've done that several times. Because we've been in the middle of Bible studies when somebody passed away. We weren't able to get them up to a baptistry. And so there is that awkward moment because their kids were in the Bible study with us asking, well, are you going to tell us? It's like, I'm going to tell you that God is an honest God. And your, your, your loved one, your, the one that was lost, it, it, they, I don't want to get, I don't want to offend anybody, but they, they had an honest heart and an open mind. God sees that. And basically that's what we can do. 
I don't know why I just went into that, but if you're fighting with that, if you're, if you're ever wondering about that with someone, a loved one or anything like that, you can come see me afterwards and I can explain a little bit more. But God's character is guaranteed behind every word he has spoken. The primary violation of God's word was that the nation of Judah repeated and perpetual worship of false gods. Throughout their history, they turned from loyalty to Jehovah, from Jehovah to bowing down to every idol that other people worshipped. Throughout history, they did this. They were so perverse that the conduct became that even their children were sacrificed to a worthless, lifeless piece of rock. So when Josiah heard the prophetess' word, he was compelled to action. He started the first grow group. Had to pump that in there, right? I think we'll have an announcement later about that. He immediately gathered all the elders in the land, the priests and the Levites and the inhabitants of Jerusalem together to read the same words from them from the book of law. He got together groups. He got together this group. And then what did he do? He confronted the people. He gathered them around. He confronted the people with the truths that had confronted him. Then in the sight of all the people gathered that day, Josiah made a covenant with the Lord that he would obey every commandment and would serve God with his whole heart. That should always be the response of a heart of a, um, convicted by God's word. I used to say this, probably said it a few times here, uh, the mind's like a parachute. It only works if it's open, right? So when, when I tell somebody to come to the altar, you need an honest heart and an open mind. If a person comes to the altar with an honest heart, I mean honest, not holding anything back. Like, I'm going to repent of this, but not of this, because this is something that I need in my life. If they completely come with an honest heart and an open mind, if it's time, I will tell you that, they will get the Holy Ghost. They will feel the, the wonderful blessing of God forgiving them as they repent. If they have an honest heart and an open mind. 100% of the time, if, if God chooses to give them the Holy Ghost at that time. But he has a promise, and God's a character. Uh, God's, God has a good character, amen, and his character is, is um, evident by his word. It, it like goes between each other. You can't have one without the other. His word is in a great example of his character. He's going to obey and back up his word, I should say. So Josiah was not content merely with making his own personal commitment to God, but in this circumstance, it had to start with him. The nation faced certain judgment and destruction, so the need was great for them all to repent and turn back to God's word. We know today is not like back in 100 B.C. or 400 B.C. or whatever this time was. We know, in fact, today's not even like the 1970s. It's different. So Josiah used his position, okay, 
to mandate that everyone in the land would obey God's precept. And they did so all the days of Josiah's life. I, I, I will tell you this. I mean, when you read that, you think that how can one man stand up and make everybody do something? And the only, the only thing that I can come to the conclusion is, is because God was behind it. Josiah was king. They loved the king. And God's spirit was there. And there was conviction. And that's how it was possible for a man to stand up and say, we all need to repent. We all need to fast. We need to pray. We need to honor God. Here's the word that we just found. We have not been living this way. And people's hearts were touched. And they were convicted. And of course, we cannot force others to obey God's word. But as I said before, with an honest heart and an open mind, we can see what happens to, to them. And when we see others start a new commitment because of our witness, that always should bring humbleness, humbleness to our hearts when we go out and witness and bring someone to church. We all have an effect for good and evil on those in our circle of influence. I choose good. I, I want to have a, be a good influence. Have I always been a good influence? No. Have I apologized? Yeah, a few times for not being a good influence. Many of us stand today where Josiah did on that day. In fact, all of us do to one degree or another. We are confronted often with the reality that there's a gap between the ideals of Scripture and the reality of our day-to-day -day life. Spiritual growth should mean that, that that distance between those two gets smaller. What we think, how we should be living for God, and actually how we are living for God, sometimes there's a wide uh, chasm or a, a gap, and that should be getting closer. But as long as we're living in imperfect flesh, it will always exist. That gap's going to be there. But let's narrow it. Let's get it smaller. How we respond to being confronted by the scriptures is so important for our long-term long spiritual survival. Often this means renewing old commitments that have fallen because of misguided priorities and fleshly desires. Misguided priorities and fleshly desires. Is God still at the center of your life? Is your hobby the center? Is your job more important? Is your neighborhood barbecue on Sunday afternoon more important? Yeah, I could go on and on, but I'm, I'm not into that, that business. But we have to understand that our priority should be the word of God, living for God, trying to get that gap closer together. At other times, it means making new commitments to given a uh, to give an end to what God's word has just recently spoken to us. We must repair the broken foundation and rebuild our lives on God's word. We must repair what was broken and build our lives on the word of God. Can everybody say foundation? If you didn't hear the words to that cute little song we were saying, it's an old Sunday school 
Bible song. I'm working on a building. It's a firm foundation. I'm holding up a blood-stained banner for my Lord. And I never get tired of working on the building. I'm going up to heaven to get my reward. The foundation. I didn't say anything about the picture because I saw that, and there's really nothing to say. It kind of explains itself. That foundation's not going anywhere. It's not. Our founda- that foundation, when we build on God, is not going anywhere. He's a solid rock. So I'm going to blow everybody's mind today, right? Here we go. Ready, Richard? Hang on. all the scholars and the theologians coming at me. If that house falls, it's not because of the foundation. The foundation is solid. Jesus is solid. His word is firm. It's us and our convictions and how we follow the word of God. And if a storm comes, and tears down our house, no matter what it is, if our foundation is solid, we can repair the house. Don't tell me that my foundation wasn't solid if a storm comes in my life and I get set back. Because that's me. That's all flesh. It's not my foundation. But I want to build on that foundation. Bless the Lord at all times. That was the title of my last message here on July 17th. Exactly a week later, we got the phone call at 3.30 in the morning that our, my, my best friend, Ed, Carl, had passed away, had died. His wife, on the other end of the line, was in the hospital parking lot. She just followed the ambulance, the EMT, in, dreading to go in. Because even though she had already performed CPR herself, called the rescue units who continued to bring him out of the, they were in a travel trailer, bring him out, put him on the ground and work on him, he still was dead. And she was going to have to go into the emergency room and face reality that he was gone. Bless the Lord at all times. How can you say such a thing? How can you get off the phone and begin to pray and touch the throne of God, asking for his loving arms to comfort Renee Carl sitting in that parking lot? Because that's what you do. Because of the foundation. Before hanging up, my wife told her, you can do this. See, they're best friends as well. They're like sisters. She said, Renee, you can do this. And let me interject this. We tell people they're strong. They're not strong in that time. They're not. They're not strong. But we tell them that to try to encourage them. But they're not strong, and they know that. We know that too, but we still tell them that anyways because you're vulnerable at that time. And I'll get in that in just a second. So we told her, you're, you can do this, Renee, because she had to do it. She had to do it. And we begin to pray asking God to touch her. We said we were going to pray as she walks through those emergency room doors. And you know what was really tough? She worked at this hospital, and she walked through those same doors every day for work. 
And now she had to go through those doors. And she did. And we hung up the phone. We began to do that, that, just that. We love you, Lord. Help Renee Carl right now. We don't know why you chose to take Ed home right now, but we still know that you're God. You have a plan, and you're still worthy to be blessed and praised. And I believe Ed is in heaven right now because of the foundation he laid and the walk that he walked. Renee was able to walk through those doors in the emergency room because of the foundation that she laid and is still laying working with Jesus. How can we do the same? Because of the foundation we have in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because I know there's some here today that has lost a spouse, a loved one, a close friend, and you know what it's like to rely on a strong foundation of Jesus. Does it hurt? Yes, it does. Does it seem unbearable at times? Yes, it does, Sister Cheryl. But with a strong foundation, we can bless the Lord at all times. Understand these words today. Building upon God, Christ, that solid rock, is the right way to build your foundation. Let's stand. Of course, coming to church and fellowshipping with God's people is an awesome way to ground yourself in the word and to grow relationships with others who will love you and help you and strengthen you in times of need. Prayer, reading, and experiencing God's word are not only the great great way, but they're a necessary way to build a strong foundation in Christ. We are human. We are not mindless robots. We have emotions and feelings. In fact, that's being human, right? So it's not unusual, and may I say for the third time today, and be so bold, that it's not wrong to sometimes respond to uncontrollable and devastating circumstances with frustration and anger. Because that's what we humans do. The Holy Ghost does not suppress your emotions. Do you understand that? It does not suppress them. You don't lose the bad feeling emotions just because you have the Holy Ghost. But when problems and frustrations and heartaches come your way, the foundation you've laid through Jesus helps you get through the tumultuous times in your life. The devastating circumstances, the loss of a loved one, it helps you get through that because of your foundation. We need to step out on the front porch of our lives and look down. If we see a solid rock, we know we're on the right foundation. If we feel sand going through our toes, we know we have work to do. It's not always bad, neither of these situations all the time, except when the storms come. I love going to the beach. I love walking on the sand without my shoes and socks on. But I don't want to build a house right there. I don't want to live my life there. I don't want to put trust in God there. The, the shifting sand, I'm saying. 
If our submission to the Word of God is intact, we will see a solid, rocking footing always beneath us when we look down. But when the unavoidable storms arise, we're going to be thankful, thankful that firm foundation for the obedience that was built upon a rock. I'm working on a building. It's a sure foundation. Why don't we lift our hands and just worship God right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, God.